Hey, let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we get in your word, um, we just pray for wisdom, pray for your spirit to move in a powerful way. Uh, Lord, we're here because we love you. We are one body. Uh, we are not defined by our jobs. We're not defined by uh, the season of life that we're in. We're defined by the fact that we love you. So Lord, in all things that we do, I pray that we bring glory and honor to you. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Uh, like you take your scriptures and turn over to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 7, and uh, we're going to deal with the subject, to be honest, when they lined up the family series, and uh, they were like, this Sunday, you're going to talk about singles. That was the Sunday I was really hoping we had a vacation planned, or you know, that somebody else. But then the more I prayed about it, the most important thing, and the, the reason for me this was so hard, uh, is because I didn't want to speak as if I know all of this, uh, Marie came up last week and shared with you that uh, if you weren't here last week, uh, my wife, we split the message up and uh, spoke about marriage. We've been married 32 years. And again, if you weren't here, uh, she talked about, uh, she can't imagine how life would be without me and how great it is. I mean, it was just, you need to go back and listen. It's really good. So, but I, I was thinking about, I, I thought about this title and I want you to think about the title. It's the title Home Alone. In 1990, there was this cheesy PG movie that worldwide sold, uh, had box office sales of $476 million. And if you watch the movie, you ask one question, why? Now, I think part of the reason was, if some of you are like me, how many of you grew up with the Three Stooges? Yeah, I was actually banned by the age six of watching Three Stooges, because I thought that was real. And my mom is like, you don't hit your nephew in the head with a hammer. It's not funny. <laughs> So I thought, well, maybe that's why. Spoiler alert, if you've never seen the, the movie, you know, three of you maybe that haven't seen the movie, uh, in all the confusion, these two families that are going to Paris, they leave their eight-year-old kid at home, Kevin, and there's these two burglars wanting to get in, but he saves the day by being smarter than the police and everybody in Chicago, okay? And so you're watching this movie unfold, but I think it's, there was a feeling in that movie that everybody can relate to. And it's moments in life that we feel lonely. And here's the thing. I think a church needs to be careful because sometimes if you've got friends that are single, we think, oh, you must be really lonely because that's kind of a silly, presumptuous thing to think. Isn't that really presumptuous of us? As if we don't, all of us in this room, experience loneliness. I've talked to folks um, whose marriages, honestly, are on the rocks. They'll say, I'm going through some of the loneliest times in my life. I guarantee some of you have been in places where there's been a room of people, and yet you've been lonely. So we're going to get into this tonight, or this, this morning, and, uh, and dive deep into God's Word. Here's some things that are interesting. In the uh, turn of the century, 1900, 95% of all adults were married, 1900. But the average expectancy in 1900 was 47 years old. Okay, I don't know if there's a correlation there. <laughs> Today in the church, 40% in the American church are singles. Now think about it. Just sit back and think, how is that possible? Like, how is it not possible? Just think of, just think right now, those that are, have never been married, those that are going through or are in a situation with divorce, widows, widowers, and you start thinking, boy, I've got a lot of friends that are officially 
single. There's a chaplain by the name of Randy Kraft, and that's what he researched and found, that 40% of all churches. So I can tell you in 30 years of full-time ministry that Marie and I have had countless conversations with people that are going through crisis. And years ago, this was a lesson that we both learned. And again, we are not trained professionals, trained counselors, but I learned this lesson and I've talked to counselors and they reassured me that I'm right on this assumption. One of the worst things you can possibly say when somebody is going through a crisis is to repeat the sentence, I know what you're going through. I know what you're feeling. How many have ever been burned by that one? Anyone? Come on, raise your hand. We've all been there. How many have ever been in a, a situation where you're bringing a crisis to a friend or someone and they hijack your crisis? Do you know what I mean by that? You come in and you're like, oh man, I'm going through the hardest situation. And before you get the story out, they say, I know exactly what you're going through. I went through the same thing. And then you spend the next hour talking about them. And you're like, dude, it's my crisis. I don't want to hear your crisis. I'm not always Christ-like. But we, we go through that, don't we? I mean, seriously, don't we have these moments that we can step in and almost hijack people's emotions by saying, I know what you're going through. I think when somebody comes to us and they say, um, and brutally honest, say, man, I'm battling, let's say, singleness. I just have some questions. And for us to say, yeah, I know what you're going through, that, that's not what anybody needs to hear. Honestly, the most important thing is to listen. So I'll tell you what I did this week in the last few weeks is behind the scenes, I've texted and emailed and had one-on-one conversations with people that fall in this category of singleness, and I simply ask a couple of questions. What would you love the church to know about what, what singleness is? And then how can the church do a better job? And every one of them said, absolutely nothing. The church is perfect. I've never had a problem. That's a lie. Okay, they all... And in just a few minutes, I'm going to just share with you some very practical suggestions that, uh, honestly, I've learned a lot. So if you've got 1 Corinthians chapter 7, here's the first thing I want to look at this morning. We're going to look at the word single from two totally different angles. But here's the first angle, is the church needs to be aware of singles. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and let's look at verse 7 and 8. I wish... Now, this is Paul speaking. I wish that all men were as I am, but each man has his own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. Now to the unmarried and to the widows, I say, it is good for them to stay unmarried as I do. Now, let me just pause there because this has been, I think, misinterpreted over the years in many ways. First of all, what Paul is doing here, and you got to know this, is he has received a lot of information and questions from this first century church in Corinth, and they have a lot of issues. So he's responding to their questions. Every church has a different set of problems. Would you agree? Would you agree with that? I mean, seriously, every church I've ever been in, they have different sets of problems. We have problems here that other churches, they can't relate to. Seriously, how many churches would you say, here's the problem? We meet in a bingo hall, we turn it over, okay, okay, we, and we start lining it up, they're like, no, that's not our problems, okay? We all have different issues and problems. So he's dealing with the church in Corinth, and there were a lot of problems. Just listen to some of these. Uh, they were battling uh, food that was offered to idols. They were battling how to 
navigate through spiritual gifts. They were actually talking about missionary offerings that were going to the Jewish people in the community and a lot of questions about morality and marriage. So here's what he said. Okay, first of all, I'm starting with my life. I'm single. I'm not. Paul. I'm talking about Paul. Paul said, I'm single. And I want you to know, here's the advantages in my life of being single. And I wish, keyword there's what? Wish, I wish, and he starts with the men, that a lot of you are more like me. Not, I'm a great guy, because what did Paul say about himself? I'm the chief of all sinners, okay? So he's not saying, I'm a great guy. What he's saying is, when I look at my schedule and my priorities, everything that I do, I'm not bound to anything. I can go anywhere at any time. And I wish more of you were like that. Now, he's not saying all of you need to be like that. He just said, I wish more of you were like that. Here's another one. People, when they misinterpret this, they say, is he saying that you're more spiritual if you're single? Or is he saying you're more spiritual if you're married? Neither. You're not more spiritual either way. He's simply making an observation about, first of all, be aware that there are singles. Here's what I really believe that he's saying from his perspective is that by being single, I can take the gifts. Matter of fact, if you look there in your scripture, it says the gifts, my own gift. And that Greek word is the word charisma. It's where we get the word charisma. And you hear that somebody's got a lot of charisma and it basically means something they do very well stands out. All of you have charisma. All of you have something in your life that God has given you. And he said, when you're not married, he's talking to himself, I can give 100% to whatever gift or gifts God has given me. But, he says, and this is so critical, you need to also understand what's going on, not just in Corinth, what's going on with all of the first century churches. And uh, uh, let me throw that out to all of you. What's going on behind the scenes in every one of the first century churches? Anybody want to guess? Persecution. Matter of fact, he has five letters, not this one, but five other letters. And you know what they call those? The prison epistles. So here's a guy that knows this is not going to end well for me. And it's not going to end well for those believers in all of these churches. Persecution is intense. I'm not talking thrown in jail intense. I mean, you're going to lose your life. And let me just pause there. Isn't it amazing all these years later? I love what Jeff shared at the offering that we, over this Christmas season, we're sending money to someone who's reaching out to persecuted Christians that have nowhere else to go. I don't know how many people have asked me over these last few months, this stuff going on with ISIS, how can I help? Here's how you can help. There are people dying right now for Jesus Christ, just like in the first century church. So Paul's saying this too, if you're thinking about getting married, remember this, that if you get married, one of you may die in that relationship. Persecution is real. So as you read this, you need to know the background of what's going on. Drop down to verse 32. He said, I would like for you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs and how he can please the Lord. So that's just his observation. Now, we're not going to get deep into this, but if you want to go back and study 1 Corinthians 7, if you look at verses 9 through 31, he talks about, listen, I can tell you that marriage isn't a picnic. That's my translation. Marriage isn't always a picnic. And there's a lot of tension in marriage. 
not just sexual tension, all kinds of tension, be aware of that also. Matter of fact, I heard a woman who was asked, she was single, and she'd been single for years, and her friend said, don't you just ever want a man in your life? And her response was, why would I want a man? I have a chimney that smokes, a dog that growls, and a cat that stays out all hours of the night. Can I have an amen? I mean, sometimes what we want in life, trust me, isn't necessarily what we really want in life. Verse 17, nevertheless, each person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them. Let me read that again, because this is for the entire church. Nevertheless, each person should live as what? A believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned them. In other words, we're all on the same team. And our focus is, Lord, you've assigned me to live my life to the fullest for you. I may not understand everything that I'm going through in my life, but Lord, whatever it is, I want to work with others to be a part of your church. I want to focus on being a part of your church. So here's the second perception of that, that lightning rod word single, and that is we are all called to be single-minded. Turn over to Philippians 3, 10 through 14. Now, what I want to share with you for just a few minutes, when I did these interviews, I simply, again, asked, just tell me some of the frustrations you've had, not just with church, but just people when you're single, and then what can the church do to help? And I'll be honest, man, I've, I've learned a lot. I really have learned a lot. So I'm just going to share a few of these suggestions and comments. One is, I love this, is we are not odd. Just know that, that we are not odd. And a lot of the singles I talk to, they say they even hate to say, I'm single, because there's always a look or sometimes a comment or an awkward silence. Some of you are single, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And they said, we're not odd, so don't treat us like we're odd, okay? I loved, uh, Ashley was so honest in that interview. Did you, and did you notice what she said? Sometimes I wrestle with, maybe it's me. Is there a problem with me? Now think about that. So I think it's important to know that. Another one is, uh, at church, if you see someone that is sitting alone, you know what you ought to do? Sit by them. Now this isn't a singles alert. This is just a people need Jesus Christ alert. Do you all remember junior high? Did anybody here like junior high? No. You know one of the reasons why? Do you remember going? Do you remember the cafeteria? Who liked that experience? And do you remember the days that you actually would sit by yourself? I still don't even want to think about those times. You know, when I was like 10, I remember I, I lived by this lake and I remember throwing rocks, skipping the lake, and I looked across the lake and one of my buddies was having a birthday party. I'm like, dude, what's up? I'm here, you know. And I remember wanting to scream, like, what's your problem? You know what? I've heard singles saying the same thing. Say, hey, wait, wait, wait. I'm here. I'm right here. Just, just talk to me. Just sit by me. So I thought, wow, that is a great observation. If you see someone that's sitting alone, just go sit by them. And I love this, uh, is don't just set two, three chairs away. Actually sit by them. Like, sit by them and engage. Just talk. Just share. It's critical. 
Another one is listen. Don't immediately start talking about your family. You ever, you ever be around somebody within like 20 seconds, they whip the phone out and they start showing you family pictures and you're like, you're killing me, okay? Seriously, I don't want to see, and they just keep flipping through them and you're like, how do I politely say this? I don't care. I mean, I don't mean that bad. Trust me, I want to see your family pictures. You're like, he doesn't even want to see my family. I'm just saying, think of the folks that we immediately jump into our lives without first just listening to what they're going through. This is one that actually uh, cut to my heart. Uh, I had an individual that was talking and said, do you know the loneliest part of my week? And I said, well, I don't know. I don't know the loneliest. She said, um, the loneliest time is noon on Sundays. Because I walk outside and I see folks loading in there minivans, and the family's driving away, and I think to myself, I kind of remember what that was like. kind of wish I could get in one of those vans. And I'm like, wow. It happens every Sunday at every church that we can't wait to run out with our families, but without realizing there's folks that would do anything. I had one single who made the comment, I love this, it's like, um, I just want to hang sometimes, just go hang out with people, sit in the living room, watch TV, nothing big, just hang. Uh, folks that I've talked to over the years that are going through divorce, they'll tell me that a lot, you know, like what pulled you through a really difficult time, and they'll say, friends that just opened up my home and didn't ask a lot of questions, just let me be a friend and blend in and just share life. Um, be uh, aware of what the needs are, but don't get so specific that we start putting people in segregated groups. Do we do that in church? It's called Sunday school. I don't, sorry. <laughs> but you ever notice how we'd have these different weird names in Sunday school? How many of you have ever been in a weird name, Sunday school? Anyone? Good. You don't have to admit it. But anyway, you probably, this is an, I used to get these church bulletins from all over. And this was an actual name of a Sunday school class, Pears and Spares. You think I'm joking. I'm not. Now, let me ask you. If you were a spare, how many weeks would you go to that Sunday school class? One. You probably wouldn't even get through it. Hey, who came up with that name? Good. I'm leaving. Thank you. You know, you'd be gone. Why? Wait, because how insensitive can we possibly be? Um, I love this too. Just because, and this sounds funny, but it's true. Just... <laughs> Just because I'm single doesn't mean I don't have a life. Now, here's what she meant. And she, she said, I know that sounds funny, but here's what I mean. People will almost assume because I'm single, I don't have a life, so they'll give me all these things that I should be doing because I've got nothing but time. Yep. Seriously, talk to singles and they'll say, yeah, people make me feel that way. And again, think of us being so unaware. And this is for widows. And again, this one stepped on my toes too. Uh, this was somebody observing widows and widowers. And this was the comment. I love this. Don't say, call me if you need anything. Say, you make a list of what you need done. And next Saturday, I'm going to bring a couple of friends and we're going to start getting that done. You see the difference? I've done that. You know, I've said, oh, I'll pray for you. You know, don't get me wrong, prayer's nice, but you know, my car's not running. You see what I'm saying? If we listen, we'll hear. 
And the most important thing is actually just take the next step. Now, if, uh, if some of you know Claudia Mitchell, Claudia Mitchell's mother, uh, who she calls Mama, who, by the way, has the most incredible sweet rolls you'll ever eat in your life. But uh, she's over, she goes to South Union Church. She is, has been a widow for years. And I just asked Claudia, I said, would you ask your mom to share with me what can we can do better as a church for widows and widowers? And if you know her mom, she is a go-getter. And she said, well, and I love this, don't forget how valuable we are. Every church needs to realize how valuable, don't feel sorry for us, but realize we are valuable and we will get after it. And so they have a group at their church called Us Girls, Us Girls. And she said, and here's our mission statement, to prove that service to God is not defined by age, but defined by the willingness and the heart of God to serve others. Now that is getting it done. Galatians 6, 9, never grow weary of doing good. If there's one thing I heard loud and clear is we just want to know we are all part of the family and that we're all broken. Now, I want to just share again, I want you to hear this loud and clear. This is my opinion from sitting in a room with the individuals who are hurting, saying, I am so lonely, and I, I struggle with loneliness. I'm single, and I'm struggling with loneliness. And I've also sat in the room with uh, men and women, Marie and I both, and young people who are struggling with uh, parents going through a divorce or men and women struggling with divorce. And I heard this quote years ago, but i got to be honest, I think it's true. It's better be single, it's better to be single and desire to be married than to be married and desire to be single. I'm just telling you, I've seen it time and time again. Because I'll tell you what the difference is. You may be struggling with, you know, Lord, um, I'm just laying this before you, but I just want to share my life with somebody, and the pain sometimes is so intense. But when you're married and it's falling apart, and I hear this time and time again, there is collateral damage. A lot of you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's not you. It's a lot of people are affected. And so the church needs to be very aware of that. T.D. Jakes says this, and boy, if you're going to write anything down, please write this quote down. And this is for every relationship here today, every relationship. Short-term problem-solving creates long-term misery. Short-term problem-solving creates long-term misery. Never settle. Don't ever settle in your relationships. And sometimes the easy thing is, Lord, I, I, know, I know I should surrender my life to a follower, but I just, I, I just can't do that. This is a really nice person. Don't settle. Don't ever settle. In any relationship, you don't settle. You strive for that one thing that separates you from everything else, and that is your relationship with Jesus Christ. One of the things that came through again on the video was this phrase is, what defines you? So let me be very honest. This isn't just singles. This is everybody in this room including myself, of struggles that I've had on what I think defines me. My title doesn't define me. Uh, some of you that are single said how difficult it is when you have a conversation and you say you're single. 
because you feel there's an awkwardness. Uh, let, let me say, I can, I shouldn't even say this, that I know what you're going through, but let me just share where I'm awkward. You should be in any setting. Oh, what do you do? I'm a minister. Check, please. I mean, seriously, as soon as I say minister, you don't think that changes the room? Trust me, it changes the room. We've, we've all been in those settings, but where is your identity? First of all, it's not in your work. It's not your job. That's not who you are. That's what you do. When you die, your job doesn't mean anything. It's not eternal. It's not your kids. We don't live through our kids. They have their own lives. It's not our church. And I'd be brutally honest, uh, pride. Uh, there's been times, I'm getting better at this. There's been times when I've been kind of down and somebody says, what do you do? Instead of saying, I'm a minister, I'm, I'm a minister. Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. You know, the big green S. You know, I'm that guy. You know, you, it's easy to roll out Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Why? Because everybody's like, oh, that's the big church. Okay. Now just think about that. That's not who you are. That's just the church that you're a part of. It's not your past failures. You're not identified by your past failures. You're not identified by your politics. You're identified by being created in the image of God, and you're striving to be like Jesus Christ. Our identity is what? Jesus Christ. It's not, I'm married, I'm single, I'm divorced. No, no, that's not your identity. Your identity is, I want to be like Jesus Christ. And then that puts all of us on the level playing field. It's all about Jesus Christ. Can I share a pet peeve? I'm going to share it anyway, but um, if you go to a Hallmark store, store or Kroger or Walmart, and they got all the cards, I know none of your husbands have ever done to the panic. You know, it's Valentine's Day. You run in to grab the, the, and Marie knows it's a dollar, so she knows I put a lot of thought in it. But anyway, you go in and you grab a card. And you ever read these cards? Seriously, you ever read some of these cards? Are you kidding me? You know, you'll open it up. I can't imagine life without you. My life would be lost without you. I'm like, what? You know, I'm serious. It's like, it's, and then you remember the, famous, remember the famous tagline, Tom Cruise? You complete me. Ugh, no. Seriously, there is no earthly relationship that will complete you. Well, let me say that right now. There is not one earthly relationship that completes you. You know who completes you? Jesus Christ, period. I'm serious. It's Jesus Christ. And that's what we stand on. That's the hope that we stand on. I want to just close by sharing. Uh, first of all, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate everybody who gave me feedback. But this came up, I can't tell you how many times, and it has moved me all week. I keep thinking about it. And especially individuals who went through a crisis of losing someone they loved or going through a divorce. And, and here's what I heard time and time again. I've never been closer to Jesus Christ than I was when I went through that crisis. I've never been closer to Jesus Christ than when I went through that crisis. And then this is the quote that was followed. You will, not, you will never know that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. Isn't that true? Think how many times in your life, I think times in my life, when I, I feel Jesus Christ in such a powerful way because 
I feel like at times this is all I've got. And that may be where some of you are at right now. Feeling like Jesus is really all I've got. I want you to know, for all of you that are single, as a church, you have my word, we're going to do a better job. We have to. And we just need to start talking to one another about what we are experiencing and what we're going through, and that we're all striving to be more like Christ. Let's just try to understand one another. And then let's lean into Jesus Christ like never before. I'll tell you, I have a very soft spot in my heart for singles, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> I, was, I was raised by two single women that changed my life, my mom and my sister. And um, my sister actually chose to never marry um, and committed her life uh, to the day that my mom passed away. And I've, I've never seen Jesus Christ like I saw in my sister. So I just tell you straight up, it's personal. <laughs> it is. And so for those of you that are empty and hurting, I just want you to know uh, we want to be the kind of family that helps each other out. Let me pray with you and then we'll go into our community. Heavenly Father, um, Lord, help us to realize the power of just being a part of your family and the brokenness that we go through in life. And uh, Lord, help us to try to just understand one another, to just uh, sometimes when we talk about family, what we really need to say is help us to just be good friends. Help us just to be aware and to be friends. Thank you for loving us so much that you gave us your son. And thank you for the power of your words. And Lord, help us to have our identity in you. Lord, help us to cling to you and you alone. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.